What's up, everybody? And thank you for joining us right back here on the Boot Sports Network for yet another episode of Boots, Boots to Balls. Balls. We're all ready, warmed up, stretched out. We're going to outkick Louisiana sports coverage with you. For all you first-timers, we'd like to welcome you to the program. I am David Storm Manning, PA announcer, game day host for your New Orleans Saints. Joining me, as always... Donald Dunn, your favorite Louisiana sports commentator who's not going to mention the couple in red in Kansas City this episode. There's a couple in red in Kansas City this I episode? I think somebody is talking about that right now, but we're not in Kansas City. You know, the irony is that there's a related couple in green in Philadelphia. Whoa. <laughs> and when you put Jalen Hurts in there, too. Yeah. Kelsey Hurt Swift, and that's going to be the name of the next album, and I think that's funny. Uh, that was a meme I saw. Yep, I, I can't jokes. even remember. I don't know. Uh, if you like my comments, uh, leave your comments as well. We're actually going to start the episode by thanking you. We're going to kick it to the comments. Wow. Uh, because uh, over the, the series of the, the, the progression of oh, this yeah. show, uh, we have noticed that our, our listenership rised exponentially, like yes. it does if, if you guys are enjoying what we're doing. We're happy to see it, and we're starting to get a lot more feedback from you guys. So if you don't want to take the time to shout us out, we're going to take the time to shout you out. Uh, so to the Easter Bunny, we've gotten a couple of comments from the Easter so. Bunny 6 so. one on YouTube. It says, great info, Jane Daniels getting better, but time will tell. Great show. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. Absolutely. Ampersands, 3468. You can tell these guys have high standards for their production value. Yes, we do, and we try very hard to make sure that producer Brett upholds our high production. Va- Actually, he does a fantastic job. I give him great excellent job. Shout out to producer Brett. Ah, uh, Jack Vincent Music sixty seven eighty five boots to balls exclamation point. That's kind of how we came up with yeah, the name. I think so. Just boots to balls. It was very emphatic. Uh, Na more twelve seventy nine. When I need the best commentary on Louisiana sports, I know where to get it. Thank you. Thank you. Came from Uh, the heart on that one. Felt it. Yes. Ashley Boudreaux, 9034, said, Arkansas. (laughs) She was laughing at the comment I made in predictions. Uh, So thank you very much for that. Glad you picked up on that. I had fun saying it. Jordan Presley says it's great stuff. Spades Dara, if I said that right. Valid points. That's all we have. All only, only. Only valid points. No invalid. No here. frivolousness here. Rye Rye, the wise guy, says great content. Thank you, Rye Rye. Thank you it, can't deny it. the wise guy. Uh, D'Angelo Bingham, this is the way. Absolutely. I've been trying to tell people that for months. So thanks for, for picking up what we're putting down. And then Brazilla, 1235. Is excited for the new episode. I have a feeling Brazilla is excited for every I think, episode. I think I'm excited, too, for this episode. I am, too. This is going to be a good episode. It's time to get into it. Now that we've done all the happy, let's yes. just deal with the <laughs> and get it out the way. Yeah. So if you watched the last episode, you might have tuned into this one wondering what colors I'd be wearing. Sadly, I'm wearing Saints colors, which yeah. means my prediction was right. Which means that somebody's was wrong. Check out this fine new wardrobe. Producer Brett is rocking. Soon to be available in a Boots to Balls merch shop near you. Go ahead. I was wrong. Stand up. Let the camera see it. We we can see it there. Lean in a little bit. Lean in just a little bit. There it is. Boom. He was wrong. 
I love it. I love it. I need cases of those shirts because everybody I know is getting one for Christmas. Look out for the merch store soon. (laughs) I don't want them to look exactly like that. I want them all just to be like Hanes white undershirts, and I want you to scribble every one. Scribble every single one. (laughs) We'll have to figure out how to how to get a good hand scribble on there so we can. I love it. And you look, you can even autograph every one, but just one through a hundred. Considered coach producer. All right, so while we're joking, we find ways to have... And yes, he is going to do 50 push-ups later in the show. Um, The Saints did take an L. They lost last week in what a lot of fans considered a heartbreaker. Yeah. They went into the fourth quarter up 17 to nothing and lost 18 to 17. Uh, Thankfully, though, because of losses uh, on Tampa Bay and Atlanta side, we are still tied for first place in the NFC South. And here are the takeaways from the game. The offensive line still has to get better. Got a ways to go there. I feel like in a lot of ways against Green Bay, it actually got worse. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cesar Ruiz got concussed, so that knocked him out of the game, which did not help. And there was lots of inexperience on the line. We've talked about Trevor Penning. He's Mm -hmm. still very young. He's basically playing his rookie season. Nick Saldaveri, new. He's a rookie tackle out of Old Dominion. He's going to see some playing time, most likely. Our vets really have to do a better job of protecting the quarterback. Yes, more Hurst, consistent. McCoy, Ramchick, Pete, mm. they have been in the league a long time. They need to be able to protect our quarterbacks better than they have been. There is no reason for them to be getting beat as much as they have been. The Saints quarterbacks were sacked four times in that game. Mm. They have an average of four sacks per game right now. That is not sustainable. No. To the point where Derek Carr got injured in the last game on that third sack with 10.51 left in the third quarter. Mm. That's what happened. That's exactly what happened to Joe Burrow in his rookie year. Mm -hmm. Cincinnati had no offensive line. Cost you a quarterback. Correct. And he was out the entire season. We got a little lucky. Yes. And we'll talk about the how lucky we got and the... um, the the degree of the injury in just a little bit, yeah. but still, that needs to be a wake up call. It was at that point that I believe the Saints lost the game. Mm. And I apologize. You're going to have to forgive me if I stop to. It's game week. Got to protect the cords. Um, the offense was not having a whole lot of success no. to that point. <clears throat> Seventeen points. That's all they had. Ten scored on offense. Mm. Because one was that Rashid Shahid touchdown, the punt return, right? Yeah, one offensive touchdown for a professional franchise in the NFL. Correct. So the Saints not really doing much on offense, and statistically, historically, they don't bounce back well after losing a quarterback mid-game. No. They just don't. So <clears throat> I feel like it was at that point when Derek Carr went down that all the air really seemed to get sucked right out of the out Saints' of the sails. Saints, absolutely. The whole game plan changed right there, and it had to. Yeah, because you definitely didn't see as much Taysom after yep. that. Because now Taysom is your only backup quarterback. You've got Jameis in there, Hainer's suspended. So if Jameis gets hurt, Taysom. Yeah, you got so you've got to protect Taysom. So he's not going to be doing as much out there on the field in his utility role. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I think you're going to see a lot of that probably this week as well. Um, I do want to bring up a point, and we talked about it last week. Last week, the theme of the episode was. Quit hating your quarterbacks. Yeah. <clears throat> All the car haters from last week who thought that Jameis should be the quarterback. Well, they got a chance to finally see what that was going to look like. Exactly. When Jameis came in. Jameis 
Uh, and, and he's going to get a chance to play probably again this week. More than likely. More than likely. So, um, while I am a fan of every player on that team. Yes. If you ask me who the better quarterback is, I'm going to tell you Derek Carr. And I'm going to tell you that the stats from that game even supported that. Absolutely. When you look back at the stats, Derek Carr completed 72.2% of his passes. Jameis only 62. They both threw for just over 100 yards, averaging around six yards a catch. Neither one threw a pick. Yeah. But Derek Carr had the one scoring drive with the touchdown to Jimmy Graham. No touchdowns for Jameis. Derek even had a stronger quarterback and passer rating. The only positive for Jameis really over Derek Carr in that game was he only took one sack in his 16 pass attempts during the second half. Carr took three in his 18 attempts in the first half. And I I think that alludes to a very critical point in everything here. You know, if Carr is sort of the top of, you know, you want to call maybe mid-tier of NFL quarterbacks, how far down really is Jameis? Is Jameis that much of a decrease? Because you see the stats, they weren't necessarily identical. One was clearly better. However, did you really take a big production hit having to lose Derek in that situation obviously with the game flow with the situation you were put in there it was different to have to have somebody come in cold off the bench but are the Saints still as capable of a team with Jameis as they are with Derek no Mm. no uh and and we talked about it all throughout the preseason because Jameis did the lion's share of the work absolutely and Jameis came into the season saying that he still believes that he's a starting quarterback on any roster yeah, maybe. Maybe. But it might be like the New York Jets. It might be like the Carolina Panthers. I don't dislike Jameis. No. no. I, I don't. But there are things about him and his play style. He is a hot and cold quarterback. He is a very Katy Perry quarterback. Mm. He, he sometimes has great games. He sometimes has awful games. If you get to him and rattle him, he is historically shook. And his, his production decreases. Yep, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. Well, that was that, that one year, and, and lots of folks want to blame it on his eyesight, and he got that fixed in the offseason, and I don't think he's been that bad since. No. But uh, there were some games that he had last season for us when, yeah. uh, when he started getting hit a bunch and dealing with injuries, and uh, suddenly that, that clock that every quarterback has mm-hmm. in their head starts speeding up. And instead of making wise choices or scrambling out, he's throwing the ball away, but they end up in the hands of, of the other team. Yeah, backfield member. And that's, and that's not a thing that can happen. And I think that Derek Carr is a better veteran quarterback. I think if you could give Derek Carr legs, mm. mobility, like I think that's the one thing Jameis really has, is Jameis can move about the pocket. Scramble, yeah. He can evade a little bit better. Whereas Derek Carr, if the pocket starts collapsing, he's a step up in that pocket and try to make it happen kind of quarterback, which to each his own. Neither one is better than the other. But I think if Derek Carr had a scampering ability, but still, remember, he's a 10-year vet. Exactly, yeah. You wouldn't expect that from him. No, I I think that would make him head and shoulders a better quarterback than Jameis. Um, But I I think that's the one thing that Jameis really has over Derek Carr is his mobility. Um, He can throw a nice long ball. Yeah. But if your offensive line isn't giving you time to let those routes develop, you're not throwing a lot of them. No, not too many. And and we we saw that in the second half versus Green Bay. Jameis didn't get a chance to really do anything explosive. All the way until the end of that game where he was making that uh, setup for Blake at the end of it to get us in the field goal range. 
you really saw Jameis a lot of check downs, Mike Thomas right there over the middle. And, you know, the occasional handoff or try and run a screen with Keandre. But, I mean, uh, you know, really it was more than anything, Jameis, I, I guess running a simple game plan. We'll see what Pete Carmichael does this week when he has a chance to fully expect, assuming that Jameis will take the lead against Tampa Bay, you know, and incorporate a few more maybe Jameis plays compared to just running, you know, standard gadget offense to keep uh, the Saints moving and defend our lead, which we saw how that went. You know, we'll see what the Saints do this week. I think that they're not in a bad spot, but I think that they will have to truly prove that they're not going to fall because they lost their main quarterback for, you know, what looks to be a short amount of time. But overall, still, you're going to go a game or two maybe. Jameis was our starter last year. And the year before. And how did we do in those years? You know, that's the thing I hear a lot from fans is that we were with a winning record with Jameis as quarterback. Five and two year, things like that. Before he took the ACL tear, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that year, yeah, he was on par to do great things. The next year, no, he did not bounce back the way that we hoped he would. Mm -hmm. He he did not... um, he did not produce what fans hoped he would produce. Yeah. And that was with a better offensive line than we have now. That's true. In my estimation. Um, so I think I think that it, it's going to be tough. We really need to see uh we need to see better better production out of the offensive line. And we really need to see the offense find a way to start scoring more than 20 points per game. Yeah, that's, I think, the cut-and-dry point is that you can't continue with the average of one-and-a-half touchdowns from an NFL team and expect to go anywhere deep. No. And and to my point, um, the Saints haven't yet this season no. scored more than 20 points per game. They're relying on the defense to win games for them, mm-hmm. which has sort of worked up to this point for the majority of the regular season. But, um, you know, when you're playing games like the Patriots or the Bears and the Giants, okay, yeah. Fine. Yeah, it'll work. That'll probably work just fine. But let's just say, you know, the Saints do have a weak schedule. Yeah. One of the weakest in the league. Admittedly. Coming into. Quite weak. Uh, coming, well, when you when you looked at the, the win-loss percentage of the teams on our schedule from last season, mm-hmm. we had, like, the second weakest. It was, like, one of the easiest schedules that we have. Cool. So let's assume that between Jameis and Derek and whatever, we can manage to work our way at the top of the NFC South. Yeah. Which is still very attainable. Absolutely. So we take the fourth seed in the playoffs. If the playoff picture were to start this week, we would be looking at a potential four versus five seed game going up against teams like Dallas, Detroit, Atlanta, or Tampa Bay. And if we can't put 24 to 30 points per game on the board against those teams in particular, against those teams and win the clock, time of possession then we are are not going to we're not going to go very far in the in the postseason. Not at all. It's not going to happen. We might not make it out of wild card. Yeah, you look at a team like Detroit, you got Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, you got, you know, with Atlanta, Bijan Robinson. We'll see how that works in the regular season. But a lot of high powered offensive players, can our defense even hold up against some of those higher powered offensive players? We've seen, you know, Derrick Henry, an aging vet. We've seen, you know, a young player in Bryce Young. Let's see what a high-power octane offense does against this defense, and we have to hope 20 points gets you close. I can hear some of the listeners out there saying, yeah, but what about that old adage, defense wins championships? Okay. Defense only wins championships if they're putting points on the board. Yep. If defense is not putting points on the board, you can't win a game with no points. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I'm not to say that our defense is outstanding. Oh, it's a wonderful. It's it is wonderful. outstanding, but you can't you can't put all the pressure on them to do all the winning for you. Yes. It, and look, for a defense to hold Green Bay to 18 points, that's strong. Absolutely. For a defense not to let any team have 20 points yeah, or 20 better, points. that is incredibly strong in the NFL. But if your offense can't post more than 20 points, that's incredibly, that's weak, incredibly in weak in the NFL. You're not going to last long. Um, that's all I'm saying oh, in, yeah. in that regard. So... You talked about uh, Blake Groupie mentioning that Jameis yeah. was working that one drive to put uh, Groupie in the position to win it for us, and and man, that was that was the heartbreaker. That was because we've been following and talking about Blake Groupie all year long, hyping him up even a little bit, and how perfect he's been. And sadly, the streak ends right when you need it the most. And that was one of the things that we talked about. He pulled a forty-six yarder wide right in the final moments of the game. And uh, his first loss. And I knew that it was going to happen. Yeah. And uh, one, of our, one of our listeners and commenters, James Raymond, asked me this question on TikTok, and I am going to, uh, I'm going to repeat it verbatim. And I ask you this question. Would Big Nuts Lutz have drilled that 46-yarder to end the game? That is the great coin toss right now Saints fans are dealing with because you look at Will Lutz in Denver under Sean Payton's system, which I'm very glad not to be a Broncos fan. Let me start with that. They had a way worse week than we did. Way worse week. They will not recover from that for many years. But, uh, you know, you look at Will Lutz's performance so far in Denver. It hasn't been outstanding. It hasn't been top class. You know, he's being respectable at best, but, you know, I think that was really a toss-up kick. You're going into the win in Lambeau, you know, game on the line. Lutz has done it before. Lutz missed a crucial game-winning kick against the Vikings last year in London. You know, you get some, you lose some. I don't know if Lutz was necessarily going to nail it, but I think in that situation, sometimes that veteran presence would have helped. So when he asked me that question, I really started thinking about it. And I, I had to think about it for a while. And I would say four out of five times, Blake Groupie makes that kick. Absolutely. And I think he's he's kicking himself that he missed it. Um, I'm not going to make excuses for mm-hmm. him. You know, we did talk about there were windy conditions at Lambeau. It was evident. You saw those on, like, the ref shirts yeah. when they would stop to make penalty calls and whatever. Um, but as a, as a pro, you got to be able to account for those conditions sometimes. You don't always get the, the benefit the perfect, of playing in yeah. domes. You know, sometimes you got to make kicks in the rain or in the snow or, or what have you. It just is part of the game. Um, he did kick that game winner in preseason against the Chiefs. And that gave a lot of people a lot of hope for him. But we talked about it at that time when we were debating what kicker to keep. And we said, do we really, like, what happens when it matters? Exactly. Well, we found out this time it mattered. And I don't want to say he choked. No, I think. But he missed it. He did miss it, you know, and I, and I, I don't think that it's going to wreck the kid. No, I think he'll he'll bounce back and he'll be just fine. Um, but to your point, you know, Will Lutz the same. Yeah. I would say similarly, Will Lutz would probably hit that kick about four out of five times. Um, and for an NFL kicker, it's not a difficult distance to hit from no, between thirty-five and forty-five yards. Those field goals are relatively common. 
So if I'm going to give a definitive answer to the question, uh, if I was the coach, who would I want kicking that field goal? I'd have to look at the stats. Yeah. And so far this season, Groupie is perfect on extra points. Six of seven from the field with a season long of 52. That's 85.7%. He is responsible for 23 of the Saints' total 53 <laughs> points this season. Which is a sad stat in wow. and of itself. Yeah. never. <laughs> That's, wow. Yeah. Wow, indeed. Will Lutz is five of six from the field, which is 83%. He's six of seven on extra points, 85.7%, uh, with a season long of only 32 Mm. And remember, he's only a few short years removed from that injury as well. Yeah. So I don't want to use the term damaged goods, but um, the game takes a toll on the body. It does. He has accounted for only 21 of the Broncos points. So while neither one is essentially a bad kicker, yeah. if I had to choose based on the stats, I'm going groupie. Much less all the different management aspects. I'm going to take the younger kicker on the better contract and you hopefully get a few more extra years out of him, you know. I don't fault it. I think this was a weird game by the Saints that unfortunately ended in tragic circumstances that led to a lot of fans being upset. But at the end of the day, you were able to hold a 17-point lead for 58 minutes where the last, you know, since that last Packers drive, basically a mess, yes. Um, Some of the plays that led to it, yes. But overall, the Saints did not play a terrible game. They just had a lot of mistakes that caught up to them by the end of it. Let's talk about those mistakes that happened at the end of it and why they happened. I have a theory. Okay. And that's going to be kind of my theme of this episode. Okay. Time of possession. Time of possession. Saints lost the time of possession battle against uh, Green Bay. Green Bay had the ball for longer than the Saints did. Which means, when you think about what that actually means in terms of the game, the offense for Green Bay was on the field longer, which means, conversely for us, our defense is on the field longer. They were on the field for 35 minutes of that game. Over half that game, the defense was on the field. So if the offense isn't owning the clock, taking away the opportunity for Green Bay to score points, giving the defense the opportunity to rest – What happens is that defense starts to get gassed. Mm -hmm. And here's an example. Alante Taylor. Alante Taylor came in as a backup for injured Paulson Adebo and was a stud. Jordan Love was trying all game to take advantage of Alante Taylor. Shut down coverage in a lot of moments there. And he did. Five solo tackles, two for loss, one sack, and five incredibly defended passes. Yes. If he'd have played like that all throughout preseason, he'd have been the starter. He was having that kind of a game. Reason for some roster moves, as many people say. But in those two Packers touchdown drives in the fourth quarter, suddenly Alante Taylor starts to get beat. Mm-hmm. He gets beat for 30 yards by Reed, who takes it into the end zone mm-hmm. on the, the, the go-ahead touchdown yeah, drive. Yeah, the go-ahead touchdown. And the one before that, he gets called for one of the pass interference penalties. Extending the drive. Extending the drive. Right? So, Alante Taylor didn't just start sucking. Like, oh, yeah. it's the fourth quarter. I guess I got to play bad. No, he started sucking wind. Yeah. The whole defense was gassed. You were looking at, I think, a cut there by Fox to Tyron Matthew at one point. You just see, you know, just red in the face, trying to, you know, hold on in that last drive. You could tell all of those guys were absolutely at the end of the tank. Correct. And we have talked about momentum, like, 
episode oh, in yeah. and episode out. Momentum is a real thing. And and what happened is the Saints defense got rope doped. Yep. It was it was a rocky story at the very end for Green Bay. Mm-hmm. The defense was up against the ropes, back against the wall, getting pushed back, pushed back, just taking shots, taking shots, taking held shots. Held a lot of the day. They did. They held an incredible time. And you know what? There are going to be people out there that say, well, that's fine, but they need to be able to do it the whole game. Well, how about we give them a little bit of rest on just the sideline? Or a touch of help on the points column. You if know? the offense could run, I don't know, seven minutes a game, more plays, I think our defense would do just fine. Just fine. They would be A-OK. Um, and, and that's just kind of where I'm at. For the Saints to be a, a deep playoff contender with this defense, we need to be beating teams by 10-plus points. I'd agree. We can't keep it close. And we need to own the ball for at least 35 to 38 minutes a game. And be able to control clock at the end. Give them a chance to catch their breath as they become more winded. So that way when they are out there, they're able to make those critical shutdowns as you're getting into the third, fourth quarter and put teams away properly with an interception or a fumble force, you know, something like that. Be able to have your defense at their strongest when they need to be. Yeah. And that's and that's kind of my point. If the Saints at the end of the game are uh, – they're in, they win the clock battle. Oh, yeah. 35, 37 minutes a mm-hmm. game. They've owned the ball. And they have a 17-point lead going into the fourth quarter. That defense is going to be far more rested. The likelihood of them giving up 18 unanswered fourth-quarter points diminishes greatly. I'd agree. So uh, those are, are, are my key takeaways. I'm very anxious to see now that they've suffered their first loss of the season, how they're going to bounce back. Yeah, They bounce back at home against, against Tampa, Tampa Bay. No Derek Carr, most likely. Most he's likely. listed as questionable, but at, he's got a, a, an AC joint sprain. It's all about when he's comfortable in the pads with yeah. mobility and all that stuff. I don't think it's going to be this week. Um, so you're going to have Jameis again. From, uh, Drew Brees on that, you know, a few years ago where he basically gave his take and, you know, said, you know, that was the only week I never really threw a pass during practice, but I put the pads on at the end of the week. We'll see if Derek wants to give it a shot. I think for most people in New Orleans, they're going to say, you know what, take a week. Get right, because we don't want to be stuck with one functional quarterback. We'd rather have both you and Jameis. Yep. And, um, and, I, and I tell you what, I think we're going we're gonna to find out exactly how that works out coming yep. up this week. I, I wish we could switch the games. Oh, yeah. I yep. wish we had the Patriots this week, and then we'd have Tampa Bay next week. But – who knows? Maybe, Who maybe knows? giving an entire game of Jameis Winston with Alvin Kamara returning. Oh yeah, and be Mike a Thomas, huge boost. Because um, he loved he loved working out with Mike Thomas and Chris Olave yep. and Rashid Shaheed is doing some big things indoors. I think it's it, it has the potential if Jameis really wants to be like, hey, look at me now, and yeah, here's sign me chance. this offseason. Yeah, here's your chance. Get at it. Absolutely. But what you can do right now is subscribe to the Boot Sports Network. As an early listener to the podcast, it is important. You heard us shout you out earlier today during the show, and we're going to continue to do it here because we love our fans. We love the interaction. All of this is possible whenever you follow us here on the Boot Sports Network. That'll be X, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, or wherever you particularly like to listen and follow podcasts. 
It's all a part of the Boot Sports Network we're forming here. You've seen a lot of interaction on some of our posts. Go on to Instagram. Go on to Facebook. You know, we have some live interaction both, you know, at the Dome whenever it's a Saints game day or oftentimes me and producer Brett are out on LSU's campus for an LSU game day. If you want us to go to your campus, if you're a ULM fan, we will see what we can do and head on up to Ruston maybe. Who, or excuse me, Monroe. Yep. La Tech, Rustin, yeah. Yep. <clears throat> we'll see. You know, we cover the whole boot, and we're one of the only shows to properly <clears throat> do it. So give us a like, give us a shout-out, and let us know what you want to see next week. And on top of giving back to you, Family Promise would like to give to you $10,000. It's all part of their fourth annual Family Promise raffle. It's going on right now. You can buy your raffle tickets for only $25 at fpstp.org fpstp.org very very soon they're going to start giving away fantastic daily prizes and i know that one of the daily prizes is a pair of tickets my tickets to the new orleans saints atlanta falcons the final home game of the season uh so if you want to go on out there their loge club level in the newly renovated caesar's superdome uh, and if you're lucky enough to win those tickets uh, face value at over $500, you still become eligible or remain eligible rather to win that $10,000 grand prize, which will be drawn on December 15th. So again, go on over to FPSTP. That's short for Family Promise of St. Tammany Parish, FPSTP.org to buy your tickets today. All right, so now that we've gone through all the, the sadness and the heartbreak, let's talk about some good stuff. Absolutely, some winning. I well, tell you what, things look good in the college They uh, did. The college they games did. on Saturday. Louisiana did a lot better across the statewide, but, you know, there was one big game, and that was LSU versus Arkansas, ESPN, national audience. Arkansas? Arkansas. That was a Arkan- weird way to pronounce Arkansas. Thank you. I want to make sure I'm using the best verbal pronunciation possible. Um, I'll be honest with you. You know, I was at the game. I was taking it all in. I did not expect Arkansas to be able to do what they did on offense. That was a team that had, I think, an opportunity in their mind. They saw that they were, you know, going into that early part of the game, able to compete with LSU, where a lot of people said they wouldn't. You know, you saw a big spread there. um, And they said, you know what? We are capable. We are an SEC team just like they are. We're going to put our best, forward, our best foot forward, and they really brought the work to LSU. You know, I wanted to, to give kudos to Arkansas. And, and it was a thing that I, I kind of thought about last week, but I, I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to speak it into existence. Exactly. But historically, and producer Brett kind of mentioned it when he talked about how the, the following week LSU had a really tough time last year with Texas yeah. A&M because of how tough Arkansas played them. And Arkansas historically plays LSU very tough, even in the years when LSU should run away from them by yeah. three or four touchdowns. Arkansas always manages to somehow keep it close. I really hoped that LSU was was going to find a way to distance themselves yep. from the Hogs more so than they did. But kudos to Arkansas because they came to play. And I think that's one of the key takeaways. You know, you look at the beginning of the game, and it was such a dramatic difference from what we saw the previous week against Mississippi State. LSU was struggling to connect on some simple over-the-middle passes. You saw Jaden Daniels skip a few balls off the ground. And people were starting to, you know, get that thought in their head. And, you know, I did take an exact time, 7.04, the first time in my section, putting us in. 
they started. And, you know, it is the reality of the fan base. The Saints have unfortunately learned it the hard way. Mm-hmm. There's always calls for someone to show up that isn't currently playing. However, I think LSU proved why they're still a top team in the nation, why they are still in the hunt for both SEC and national dominance. It is that when the times got tough, when you saw us being down multiple points early in the game, there was not a relinquishment of, you know, the strategy. It was not throw the game away. It was, okay, Jaden, go out there and throw one over the top to Brian Thomas and get us back in this thing. And you did not see a wavering spirit on the LSU offensive side. No, and I tell you what, the LSU offense, I think, in a lot of different ways, had an incredible turnaround this game from uh, from previous games, especially in the run game. Yes. 189 yards on 29 carries. That's six and a half yards per carry. Logan Diggs yep. from Booty, Louisiana, 14 of those carries, 97 yards. He was the leading rusher. Not Jaden. Yep. Jaden was Jaden was the third leading rusher in that game, as a matter of fact. Logan Diggs, Josh Williams, who had only one carry for 41 yards, and then Jaden. A big 41 yards. Correct. Jaden only had 36 yards on 10 scampers, we'll call those. Yeah. Then Caleb Jackson and John Emery, they got a chance to get out there. But it also, because he had an established running game, allowed Jaden to do great things through the air. He was 20 for 29, 320. That's 11 yards per catch, four touchdowns, and one interception. Yeah. But he spread the ball around to six different receivers in that game. And Brian Thomas, he came out and was like, hey, Malik, I want to get that SEC play of the week. <laughs> like, he wanted it. And he did his very best at that bobble catch. I mean, that was a piece of art right there. I tell you what, Brian Thomas Jr., Malik Neighbors, uh, they connected for the Tiger share. Yeah. Uh, Not the Lions share, the Tiger share. 13 catches, 263 yards, four touchdowns. Those two were human highlight reels all day long and that is the case but what was uh maybe lacking from that game and it's kind of obvious here at this point there was some busted coverage uh as you got into that second half you had LSU with several opportunities to throw the haymaker put the hogs out and take over the game and really set themselves up with a multi-point lead but then Arkansas and KJ weren't going to go down easy so they rip one over the middle to the tight end, who somehow got 20 yards open of the backside of our secondary. And it was really unique to see, you know, for years it's been DBU, DBU. Now it's the front seven that's taking the charge at LSU that has to carry this defense as we go deeper into the season. Obviously you're dealing with, you know, the circumstances around Greg Brooks, who's, you know, one of your captains back there in that secondary, you know, you still have to have next man up and you still have to have somebody who can get out there. And I think what a lot of people will claim is bad play by the defense could simply just be what it was, which is inexperience. I think those are a lot of people who are not expecting to have to go put up 40, 50, 70 plays, you know, as you're getting deeper and deeper into the game. And those guys went out there and they did what they could, which was at times very strong when you see us stopping Arkansas right there along the goal line, and then times where it wasn't so strong, and the tight end is running down the sideline and absolutely having his way with things. 
So I want to sidebar for just a second and give flowers to both LSU and Arkansas. Oh, absolutely. Uh, in 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 their tributes to Greg Brooks, yes, um, who you mentioned, Greg Brooks uh, was a transfer from Arkansas to LSU, so he's got time and familiarity with both teams. Uh, he is no longer part of uh, the active roster because yes. he had to have emergency brain surgery to remove what uh, they called a large brain tumor. Um, the procedure to remove the tumor it was causing Brooks vertigo and some other health issues. Reportedly a success, which is good. Yes. Uh, at this time, there has been no timeline for his return. According to most recent reports, the family is still awaiting biopsy results. Coach Kelly has said that Brooks is making progress, but cautioned that it will be a slow process. Yes. So uh, our thoughts and prayers Absolutely. still go out to number three, Greg Brooks. Um, but talking about the defense. You are absolutely correct. The defense was not as stout as we have seen them no. be in the past. Um, they gave up 426 total yards. Yeah, That's a lot for the LSU Tiger defense to give up. They got four sacks, six tackles for loss, and two interceptions, which is a vast improvement from last week. Of course. When we talked about how great the defense was playing, but no turnovers. So that's a great thing to see. But still, you can't be giving up 426 total yards. No. and. And we all know that there are a lot of younger, more inexperienced players who are really kind of trial by fire and learning as they go. And Absolutely. they're by no means doing bad. Yeah. But when you start, LSU's next two opponents are ranked. Oh, absolutely. They're not ranked higher than LSU, but neither was Florida State. Um, you're going to start, I mean, you've got Ole Miss coming up. You've got yep. Mizzou after that. You've got Alabama down the line. The goal is to get to Georgia. Yeah, somehow. So you've got to be um, you've you've got to be learning real quick, real quick, at a very accelerated pace, and giving up 426 yards against some of those other teams that I just mentioned is not going to win you games. Exactly, and it's teams that were not expected to put up 400 yards. You know, uh, not to get too deep into our preview, we'll do that a little bit later in the show here. But you look at a team like Ole Miss, who is known for being a up tempo high-speed offense, a team that will put, uh, you know, some absolute gashes into your defense, be it on the ground or over the air. You know, a little bit different than the Matt Corral years with Lane Kiffin, but now as they're going into the dart era here in uh, Oxford, you know, it is a little bit different, but still they're putting up a high-power octane offense. This is really going to be, I think, as we transition from K.J. Jefferson, who is just sort of the, I'm going to call the muscle Jaden Daniels, you know, the – the bit more built-out version who's going to be able to sort of more how Cam Newton was push through your line where Jaden Daniels will run around your line. Um, you saw them struggle at moments there. Not so mm -hmm. much in their run defense, although uh, KJ did put up 48 yards on the ground, and that is not including, of course, his sacks yards that were lost. So really you're looking at maybe somewhere closer to 60. LSU has to take into consideration – I think primarily the fact that they are going to now be facing different style offenses. You see Mississippi State, who had a little bit of a discombobulated offense. You see Arkansas, who is going to just shove you around as they tend to use that heavier set. Like I was saying, you saw a lot of times where that LSU defensive line, as stout as they were at the goal line from time to time, just get absolutely shoved 10 yards, and Arkansas just gashing first downs, first downs, first downs. That's going to be some of the greatest things you're going to have to look for is 
was it a one-time thing or is it going to be a consistency? So I want to harken back to what I feel like my theme of the show is going to be. And this is almost the point that I'm going to make is going to sound silly. Yeah. I think LSU's offense has the power to be too explosive. Hmm. And it's, I think that it is going to end up hurting them down the line. And here's what I mean by that. It does not take, um, it does not take LSU long to score. They're scoring in yeah. two minutes, three minutes, four minutes. Just and, over the top, over the top. And they've got one loss this season, but they are losing the, the time of possession battle. They did Absolutely. not win time of possession. No, it was uh, 35-25 roughly, I believe. Correct. So, again, what happens? Your defense stays at on the, the, the field, game, and, and they're gassed at the end of the off. game, and you're letting teams hang with you in these close games. Which, again, you're not going to be able to keep winning down the line when you get into your, your big ranked opponents, your end of the season, your Alabamas, your, mm-hmm. your Georgias. You've got to learn how to, in, in the LSU case, instead of being offensively efficient, yeah. you have to learn how to be offensively, offensively efficient. Overwhelming but, is maybe a word you may want to use. slowly offensively. Yeah. You have to be strategically efficient. Yes. yes. Uh, you can't just score because you can. In the first half, sure. Sure. Light them up. up. Yep. Go bananas. But in the second half, when you're worried, when you're worried about trying to hold the lead, you've got to figure out how you can be successful. Dink and dunk for four and five yards and burn clock. Absolutely. Run it up the middle. Let the play clock go down to one before you snap it. Yeah. Eat, just eat clock, eat clock, get clock hungry and eat clock. Every extra second, is an extra sip of that uh, Powerade for the good old uh, LSU defense. I'm, I'm telling you, uh, that is going to be the key to winning these games. It's not that LSU's defense can't keep up. Yeah. I think they absolutely can. I think LSU's defense could run with anybody. Yeah. Anybody. Georgia, I'm talking to you. Mm. I think they could. The offense needs to make sure that they keep the pace for everybody. Yes. Everybody. Everybody. Um, and and that, I think, is is the main point. They do that, they'll do fine. Absolutely. And I think that if they would have done that, they probably would have won by a much larger margin than they did. Well, for me to address y'all's defensive hater oh, talk. Whoa, wait a minute. Whoa. Is, is that a former head coach considerate? Producer Brett? Yes, it is. And uh, let me tell you all something about history. George Patton once said, America loves a winner and wouldn't give a hootin' heck about a loser. And we got a W. 50 years from now, when we look upon this Saturday, all we're going to see, no one's going to care about a play-by-play. They care about W's and L's. Brian Kelly had a way to win. He found that way to win. And for all of you haters who rant about the defense, not only did they hold them to three twice in the red zone, but Arkansas, as I said last week, always plays us to the wire. In the last four games that we played them, it every single time ended up with a kick, except for this time. Why? We didn't just play Arkansas. We played the Zebras, and we still won. I say the Zebras 
because that roughing the passer call, mm. if that was roughing the, pa- roughing the passer, then I'm the king of England, okay? And LSU led that game by 10 points, not by three points. Anyone with the same mind knows that. A W is a W. And I also think it's very bold that these two gentlemen keep saying look forward to Georgia when we could very well play Tennessee. Shout to you, Christian Bingham, who, wa- who watches the show, Rocky Top. Thank you for your comments, Your Majesty. Absolutely. Um, one thing I will note real quickly, if you enjoy play-by-play commentary and all the in-depth breakdown we do, don't forget to hit the like button, the follow button here on the Booth Force Network. Correct. Like and Shameless subscribe. Shameless plugs. Shameless plugs. All right, so they did. They took the W, and I'm not mad about that. You can't be mad about the W, but in, in football, there's always room for improvement. That's all I'm saying. And we have a long way to go until there's any crown to be put on our head. We do. the passage or something. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so that wasn't the only college game no, far uh, on from the docket. Uh, Tulane, uh, Tulane routed Nichols, much the way that we expected they would. Uh, as we both expected, uh, guess who's back? Back, back, back again. Michael Pratt? Michael Pratt Pratt, 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 Pratt was back, returning to Yulman, and he is now your reigning, defending, undisputed Tulane University all-time leading touchdown passer. He only needed one to break the record that he shared with Tulane great Patrick Ramsey. He got that one in the first quarter on a beautiful 40-yard connection with Lawrence Keyes third. Then Tulane played a very complete rest of the game against a very unmatched Nichols team. Uh, there were two passing touchdowns, a Pratt rushing touchdown in the third, a special teams touchdown thanks to Shaquem Laster's shanked punt return, and Jesus Machado on defense. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm getting all choked up about it. <coughs> he had a breakout game tallying 10 total tackles and one of Tulane's four. Four Ooh. interceptions. I thought you were going to get choked up about the uh, Nichols defense holding them to 36 there, putting on a uh, bit of a clinic, as they might say. As we're going to get into our looking back from last week's predictions, Ooh. you're going to see that actually that game went about the way I thought it would. Pretty about close. the way I thought Pretty it would. Pretty close. We'll get there in just a minute. If anybody was going to get choked up that they they didn't get more than 36, I think that was going to be you. And the fact that Nichols even got points on the board. Oh, it hurt. I thought it might. That's right. I thought it might. Um, As complete a game as it was, uh, and as dominating as the final score made it seem, Tulane actually had some housekeeping to do before the weekend. Uh, They gave the ball away three times. They had two interceptions and a fumble, nine penalties for 90 yards. They still ended up plus one in the turnover battle, thanks to Nichols throwing those four picks. But you cannot, if you're Tulane University, you cannot give the ball away three times and give up 90 penalty yards and expect to win conference games. Against an FCS team of anything. An FCS, uh, an American conference team. Yeah. None of them. You're not going to be able to do that. It's You've got to do better than that. Um, But it was Nichols. Of course. Sorry, fam. But it was Nichols. And uh, as we're continuing to always look at the Tulane rankings, uh, they're not doing too hot this week. 11 votes in the AP poll. Coach's poll was a bit, well, actually, they were exactly the same, 11 votes. They would they would be sitting now at 33rd in the top 25 instead of 32nd. A very and, respectable season, but... Uh, but to, to date, a bunch of cupcakes. Yep. Media darling Fresno taking the uh, G5 spot there in the uh, rankings. 
Um, and just as a note, uh, it was another game this weekend that saw the hometown defense on the field entirely too long. Yep. Nichols controlled the clock 32 to 30, or 32 minutes, 36 seconds to two lanes, 27 and a half. Again, it wasn't really a big deal because it nah. was such a mismatch, but it could prove very problematic down the line against those conference or other FCS Sometimes teams. you want to see them run it up. Mostly me who wanted to see them run it up. I wouldn't have been mad at it. I would not have been mad at it at all. All right, so that's Sorry, looking Nichols. back. <laughs> As looking back at the big three, we're going to come back and kick it around the boot with yep. some other news that we got going on. But before we do that, some things that we want to, uh, to throw your way. No self-respecting sports fan likes to play on ugly turf. That's why I and many others trust my lawn care to Fleur de Green Lawn and Landscaping. Chris and the crew at Fleur de Green do so much more than just mow lawns, which I can tell you from firsthand experience. They do actually do that very well. But they can also help with landscaping installation, plant and garden maintenance, drainage, irrigation installs and repairs, Pavestone patios, fences, and much, much more. For examples of their work, check them out on Facebook at Fleur de Green Lawn and Landscape. Or for more information, call Fleur de Green at 504-240-8044 or email fdglandscape at gmail.com. Tell them David Storm sent you Fleur de Green Lawn and Landscape. They love what they do, and you will too. I do. And while we're, of course, going around thanking everybody and making sure everybody is adequately given their credit this week, let's give credit to Tommy Tally and the guys over at Echo Tango Shut and up. the ladies, of course, as we are once again using this beautiful host studio, and they are so welcoming here. They always make sure that everything is set up, ready, just how we like it whenever we hop into the space. Great to have great partners, and we're certainly thankful for ours. Thank, Thank you, you very much, Tango. Tommy and Echo Tango. Boom, kicking around the boot. All right, time to kick it around the boot. As we mentioned in our Saints coverage, Derek Carr did sustain a shoulder injury during the third quarter of the contest with the Packers. Final diagnostic testing concluded that that injury was an AC joint mm. sprain, which looks to be significantly less impactful than originally expected. Could have been a rotator cuff tear. Could have been a yeah. shoulder dislocation. Would have kept him out for exponentially Much longer more painful yeah that as well Derek Carr right now is considered week to week and could return to the Saints once the swelling subsides and his mobility returns however he is expected to miss some time uh again those are those are coach Allen's Sometimes it's. Yep. I think that one's pretty much going to be up to Derek. He goes, I, I think so. He says, "Hey, I'm good. All right, cool. Welcome back." I think that's how that's going to go. Absolutely. On the heels of Derek Carr's injury, the Saints have gone out and re-signed quarterback Jake Luton off of the Panthers practice squad. Luton was released from the Saints roster in the off season and was signed by Carolina. With Carr being down for some time, this now gives the Saints some familiarity at QB three. Should something happen to Jameis. And Taysom, while Jake Hayner finishes out his his suspension. Luton is going to remain a part of the team for at least the next three weeks. And then we'll see what the Saints opt to do with him once Carr and Hayner return. That, of course, being good for Jake Luton. Now, one person who is going to kind of have to take a change of direction here is going to be Trey Con smith He was uh, released following today's news that Jake Luton was put onto the team. And he has been on IR all preseason going into the season itself. It was interesting to see them not put him on maybe a pup list at some point. You have to wonder what was going on there in that situation. But overall, Traquan is no longer going to be with the Saints. 
certainly a lot of good memories along with his time there. You can think of some of the catches he made during Drew's record runs, things like that. A long-standing member of the Saints will certainly remember his time well. He will be missed. Uh, we are sad to see you go, for sure. Absolutely. We got some basketball news, don't we? Absolutely. I think we do. Let's go ahead and get into that. So, not only did LSU this week make some big moves, we're going to talk in not only the men's and the women's team. We'll kick it off with the men's. First time mentioning them on the show as we're about a month away from basketball season. Sure enough. Uh, they went ahead and got a big commitment this week from Robert Miller out of Houston, Texas. He's a dynamic 6'10 power forward, came in 40 in the recruiting class according to On3, and he'll be making his way onto campus in the 2024 season. So you see Coach McMahon sort of retooling the program after having to make some changes, adjust to roster moves. It seems like he's showing that he does have the teeth to recruit the SEC and keep the Tigers in contention. Making moves, pulling in a four-star forward. I like it. Absolutely. But then as we hop back to the women's side, it was actually a LSU coach who was honored by a different school in the state. That, of course, being LSU's own Kim Mulkey. She was honored this week as the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs put up their, I believe it's a ring of champions or sort of a specialty area they put right there on the side of the Joe. Uh, that's going to have statues of some of their greatest players of all time. You think Terry Bradshaw, Teresa Witherspoon, Carl Malone, some of their greatest players that have ever donned the campus up there in Ruston. That was all done. They had a very nice ceremony, handed out some nice Letterman jackets to each of the recipients of the statues. So, Really good to see La Tech not only honoring their present, but their past, and they went all the way with that uh, great little plaza. It's really a nice area they put together there. Kim Mulkey's so good, they could put a statue of her up next to the Washington Monument. I guarantee you it's not her last statue in the state of Louisiana. I'm sure not. And, of course, it would be remiss if we did not talk about our pro team here as the Pelicans are only about a week away from putting it into uh, training camp mode here. It's getting really close. Speaking of which, they're going to host an open practice for all of us to go see them. And it's going to be at the Smoothie King Center on Sunday, October the 8th at 5 p.m. It is general admission. I've been there before. It's usually a good time. They might have the rookies go out there and, you know, kind of do some song and dance number. You see usually a dunk contest or something at the end of it. Zion's put some pretty good dunks down at that before. Really fun time. And it's free. So you are limited to four tickets per person which I believe is going to be mostly determined on your SeatGeek account, things like that, or the Pelicans app, depending if you like to use that. You can get those four seats if you go to pelicans.com slash open practice. Yes, indeed. And look, we were talking about uh, people getting their flowers or statues, as it were. It is Hall of Fame season as well. The NFL 2024 Hall of Fame initial ballot with 173 potential candidates was announced September 19th. That list is going to be voted down to 25 semifinalists in November before next year's final nominees will be announced around the Super Bowl. Of those 173 names on the initial ballot were 12 who at some point donned the black and gold. Mm. We had lineman Max Unger. This is his first year eligible. Olin Krutz, Jari Evans. We also had fullbacks John Kuhn, Lorenzo Neal, tight end Wesley Walls, defenders Leroy Glover and Eric Allen, Kicker John Casey. <coughs> Excuse me. Quarterback Jake DeLome. Had to get the Panthers out your mouth for you. I did. did. I had to get that yeah. out. Yeah. Quarterback Jake DeLome. Running back Ricky Williams. And wide receiver, somebody call your mama, Joe, Joe Horn. Horn. 
So congrats to all the prospective nominees uh, eligible for the NFL Hall of Fame. Absolutely. And uh, since it is Hall of Fame season, the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame has announced its 2024 induction class, which consists of nine amazing athletes and coaches who either represented or contributed to boot sports greatness. The 2024 class is headlined by Lafayette, Louisiana's own UFC multi-champion Daniel Cormier, DC, LSU Lady Tiger basketball great Simone Augustus, and Saints quarterback and Super Bowl champ slash MVP Drew Brees. Some of the other inductees include former Tulane basketball coach Perry Clark, Ruston native Grambling baseball coaching legend and American Baseball Coaches Association Hall of Fame Wilbert Ellis, retired St. Charles Catholic high football coach and GNO Sports Hall of Famer Frank Monica, mm. former LSU Tiger wrestler turned Olympic wrestling coach Kevin Jackson, nice. new Iberian native McNeese standout quarterback, NFL Europe 1998 World Bowl champion, and current Seattle Seahawks assistant coach Kerry Joseph, mm. and Louisiana horse racing standout Ray Sibyl. <coughs> that was a mouthful. Absolutely. And that concludes kicking it around the boot. Absolutely. Now it's time to look back. And as mm. I look down the way, I couldn't help but notice producer Brett doing a little stretchy stretch down there. Yeah, warming up, are you? You, you getting ready? You getting ready? Yeah. Um, you see, I messed up uh -oh. way too hard at the gym on Monday. Didn't think uh, we're filming this on a Wednesday. Um, I did not think that I would be this sore. But like uh, Mike Tyson says, everyone has a plan until something happens. So That's not what he said. That's not exactly what he said. What he said, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. There's something along those lines. Probably slightly more explicit, but never yeah, that, That's what I was trying to dodge. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Will, um, you, you, want, you want to start there? Are you are, are, are you, you ready? Are you no, ready? In the words of JFK, do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men. I tell you what. I tell you what. Look, we're gonna give you some time. I want you to uh, to properly dial in. Warm up. I want you to. I want you to properly warm up. I want you to dial in that uh, that producer Brett Cam because I want to get a good shot of this. We'll talk about some of the other games and we'll let you get back to those push-ups in just a second. Absolutely. So we're gonna start with Grambling hosting hosting Texas Southern. The final was thirty-five to twenty-three. Grambling wins. How about them Tigers? I thought, we both thought Grambling was going to win. So, ding, we both got that one right. It goes to point differential. I thought Grambling was going to run away with it. Yeah. I really did. I said 61 to 10. I, I was off by 39. Oh, you that's not were, bad. That's not bad? It's not bad. Meanwhile, you I were win. nine <laughs> points off, 38-17. That was a very, very good call on Thank your part. You. Thank so, you. Ding for Donald. There will be no perfect Dave this week. Back in the win column. Southeastern versus Houston Christian. Mm. Houston Christian wins 34-19. We both, again, wanted Southeastern to win. And Lions, we're not predicting your game is it, this is week. It a, is it a broadcaster jinx? Are we doing I, something I don't, here? I don't know. We're going to give you all the week off and see if you all can turn it around, and maybe then we'll come back to you. But I feel like... Every time we tell you that you're going to win or we predict the game, bad, bad things happen. Yeah. And they happened to me, an alum. I thought it was going to be close, 38-34. And, Donald, you said 30-16. to 16. I was off by 19. You off by 7. Ding, Donald is 2 for 2. 
ULL versus Buffalo. Buffalo. It was 45 to 38. Oh. I thought 36-27. You thought 27-24. You were off by 32. I was off by 20. Neither one of us was really close in that. Mm-mm. But I was closer. Two to one. Thing I'm there. All to you. Tulane versus Nichols. Well. All right. So 36 to 7 was the score. You thought it was going to be ugly. I did. I did. You thought it was going to be goose egg ugly. I was ready for Michael Pratt to drop uh, five, six touchdowns. You know, everyone's going to go crazy. Get over to the boot <coughs> a little bit earlier. You know, it was going to be a good time. Donald said 59 nana. I said 38 to 10. It was 36 to 7. It was only five points off on that one. I know. I'm pretty good about How that. How about that? Ding. Two to two. Dave and Donald are tied. LSU versus Arkansas. We talked mm. about that one. 34-31. I really wanted LSU to run away with it. 45-17 was what I said. Nope. 25 it points off on meant that. to be. Producer Brett, <clears throat> he said 28-7. to seven. He was off 30 there. Donald gets the ding on this one. 38-21. Hey. He was much closer. Uh, by the way, I know because I saw some of the, the clips that never saw the light of day that there was an NCAA simulation done of this game. How did that end? It ended the exact same way of real life, and it scared me. Um, we left the first half uh, with 20 ahead, up 20, um, and I think I got a little bit complacent because, man, that AI, it came shooting on all guns um, starting with the second half. Uh, near the end, um, so I say up 20. I believe I was up 19 because I always go for two, and I don't think I made it a few times. And Considered coaching candidate. Yes. Um, they, with one minute left into the game, they were up 21-19. Oh, I was not a happy man. And the ball got fumbled and they got it. And um, in the red zone, mind you. So then I started sweating very, very hard. And man, my boys who could not hold them to three, they were converting (laughs) every third down. They stopped them. I want to say it was like 30 seconds left. I'll put the clips up over here. And... Then we made a beautiful drive with Daniels. We made a touchdown. There's 13 seconds left in the game. I'm like, I'm not going to give them the ball, and I'm not worried about them scoring. So I decide to onside it, and I don't make the onside. Considered coaching candidate. (laughs) Right. They drive straight down the field. Uh, They were out of timeouts, though. They drive straight down the field in two plays. They're at the eight-yard line. They fumble. I get the ball. I take a knee. LSU wins. I believe it was 26-19. 26-19. So you still wouldn't have had the point spread there. Eight, 12. You'd have been off by 20. It was an ESPN instant classic, though. Well, good for that. <laughs> Donald, however, gets the ding on that one. He said 38-21. Which was only 14 points off. So he did much better with that one. All right. You warmed up? 50 push-ups, princess. I'm warmed up enough. All right. Slide let's see that it. chair out the way, and uh, that'll be our wonderful B-roll footage. Let's see if we can go side-by-side side here. This is, this is the one thing I'm happy about with the Saints losing. I was the only person that picked the, uh, the Saints to, to lose, the Packers to win. Uh, everybody else picked the Saints. So by virtue of me being the only person to get it right... 
I got uh, I got the ding. Was on it that worth one. the sacrifice though? At the end of the day, no. I would have much rather. I would did, much did rather you, been here in a red do a shirt. Small cheer at the at the end whenever you knew that you were getting the win on boots the balls. I, I yeah. I well, I was happy that I knew I didn't have to call the show in Atlanta. In colors. Atlanta colors, yeah. So I was happy about that, and then getting a chance to see him in that glorious new T-shirt, exactly, and uh, watching him blow out his biceps. That's what you get. So I hope they're the gentle tennis grunt back there. That really, is, I need the know. listeners to be watching and counting, making sure that he's actually doing all 50. Cause I think we're going to put the, in the side, just a, a little, little ticker. Number, a counter. Little ticker. <laughs> we should do that as we go. Have that running. 50. Was it really 50? Yeah. He says, yeah. Cause I counted. Just get back to the chair. Sit, Cause I have. counted 10. I was like, I'm make it easy. I'm going to count by tens. 10. Then 10, then 5. It was like about 25. Let's just 25 in reverse. Kind of back from 25. And that's 50. Sounds like but 50. But just to show about. Whoa. Whoa. 51. <laughs> and suddenly all the ladies watching are, oh, producer Brett. <laughs> I can normally do a lot more. But again, I went really hard on arm day. Shout out to Mike Menser. He should have won the 1980 Olympia. That dude is playing in my ears, and I went way too hard. My favorite part about all this is that he doesn't know the punishment. If he didn't do 50 based off the ticker, he has to do 50 next week. That's a true story. Oh, by the way, we're about to get into predictions for this week coming. You a friendly wager? <laughs> <laughs> Take a minute. Catch your breath. Yeah, catch your breath. Catch your breath. Weekly winners this week. Donald, you and I split them evenly. Three and three. Brett did not get any of his two predictions. Aww. That takes the overalls. I am currently sitting at 14 of 24. You're 10 of 24. After mm. my, I chipped away at my perfect yeah, week last getting, week. Getting a little bit in there. And Brett is two for eight overall. All right, looking ahead, our predictions for this week. And again, you guys are always welcome to make your predictions. Put them in comments, message us. You can reach out to us uh, through a variety of different ways. All the socials along the ticker on the bottom, or uh, you could just go to bootsportsnetwork.com and leave your comments for us there. First game, we're going to predict UL at Minnesota. This one's out of conference, out of state matchup for the Cajuns, taking on the Golden Gophers. Typically, Louisiana teams don't play well outside in Minnesota. However, no. weather for this 11 a.m. kickoff looks to be a pleasant 62, mm. sunny and warming. Sounds like fun. Cajuns are three and one. Gophers are two and two in the midst of a two-game losing streak mm. on the road to North Carolina and Northwestern by three last week in overtime. Vegas gives the odds to the Gophers by eleven in a relatively low-scoring game, and I don't know that I buy that spread. Uh, these two seem relatively evenly matched based on what they've been able to do. I'll buy the low total. But I think I'm taking the Cajuns in a very close upset. Oh. 27-20. Well, uh, you know, I'm going to row the boat with P.J. Fleck. I'm going I'm to give the Golden Gophers a chance to get right. I don't think it's going to be a perfect game for them, but I do think that they ultimately stress why this is Sunbelt versus Big Ten. I think ULL is going to enjoy the cooler weather. They're going to get a chance to refresh their bodies in that beautiful northern cool climate before they come back to the still sweltering Louisiana heat and they keep it close 27 Cajuns 35 Gophers 35 27 Gophers all right all right locked in game two on the docket UL Monroe versus Appalachia Lachalachian State 
Now, we haven't thrown a lot of love up towards Monroe this season. They are quietly sitting at 2-1 and one after modest wins against Army and Lamar and a 47-3 blowout loss to Texas A&M. They host the 2-2 two and two Mountaineers, who honestly could be 4-0. They lost by three to Wyoming last week, and it took two overtimes for number 15-ranked North Carolina. I get to do that twice in one mm. show. Yeah, don't remind me. <clears throat> Got to go for the hat trick. Yeah. I don't want it to sound good. North Carolina. I just like the way I do Opening that. Opening it up there. I like it. A little bit. All right. Um, anyway, took them two overtimes uh, for number 15 ranked to beat them 40 to 34 in early September. Yeah. App State is favored by two touchdowns in this one. When you compare the stats, I think the only thing keeping it that close is the fact that they're both Sunbelt teams. Despite them being split east and west, I think the Warhawks have a tough time toppling the Mountaineers. I'm going App State in this one, 38-13. You know, I'm glad that you're going that way. And uh, for those of you who are coming to this show, you don't know me, I don't know you. Uh, I am so lucky to be able to be primarily, more than anything, a LSU Tiger by graduation, an LSU Tiger by blood, by raisement, by culture, community. But... I am secretly the enemy in disguise. I, I must admit, everybody, Uh-oh. I'm bringing Uh-oh. out the wardrobe change here. I'm putting it big across the chest there. Oh! Stay till I die. This is a big I'm an wolf. App State fan, too. Let's go! It, you've been infiltrated by the enemy this whole time. You know, this whole Louisiana thing has been great, but I have <laughs> to don the true colors this week for a proper Sunbelt matchup. I'm putting it on. Putting my black and gold out there. It'll be convenient for later in as the show. As long as it's not Tulane, I'm a happy man. That's right. So, so you're going to pick UL Monroe in this one? No, I'm going to give a big old <laughs> roll nears roll. We'll see Yosef down there on the sidelines at Malone Stadium in Monroe, and I'm going to take the App State Mountaineers to bounce back big after an unfortunate game in Wyoming. It was sort of a mess if you saw the end of it there. And, of course, we got kind of gypped in uh, – North Carolina, if I could, if I could compete <laughs> hey, with you there. that ain't bad. That ain't bad. Look at that. It's a singing show. Shout out to the Dapper Yapper, uh, Justin Roberts. I'm taking, uh, I'm taking the Mountaineers, 38, ULM. This one's going to be rough to hear for some of you. 10. Did you hear my prediction, or were you just waiting to put? This is like l- the price is right, Yep. and he just bet a dollar. Uh-huh. Like no, it's not that. I, I bet nine hundred dollars. You bet nine oh one. I said thirty eight thirteen. He said thirty eight ten. Somebody's got to break this this tie we have this week. I can't allow that to happen again. App State. Um, oh, oh, you're in on this one. Yeah. Care to wager? I'm, no, <laughs> I think I converted him. By the way, he was not. No, no. I, I loved App State last year because their game against North Carolina when they came back at the end there. How are we gonna sit here and throw out all this App State love in a boot sports show? Look, look, all right, bro, you need to watch that North Carolina game. They scored. Hold on, if you're gonna say it, say it right. Sixty. Stop. Stop it. You say have it to right. Do it too. Say it right. The what game? North Carolina. Say it right. You want to do it with us? Here we go. Let's do it with y'all. One, two. Three. North Carolina. Do it. North Carolina. There was a little All bit right, of A's there. Okay. Anyway, Continue. Um, 
That North Carolina game, they they dropped like sixty points in the North Carolina game. They dropped like sixty points in the last uh, Unique quarter. Coverage. It was amazing, and then they beat Texas A and M and disgraced them in their own stadium in a game that Texas A and M paid them like what five hundred thousand dollars? Oh, far more than or, that, or something friend. like that. Like thanks for the free money. So yeah, I'm going to App State. I'm going higher than Donald. Um, they're probably one of, if not the best Sun Belt team. I, I want to say 17, but realistically, let's go with 14. Let's say 21 to to 35 App State. 35-21, all touchdowns, no field goals? That's how they roll. <laughs> all roll right, nears, roll, roll nears, nears roll. <clears throat> mm. Nichols at McNeese. Mm, in-state. Yeah, that's the only reason why we did this, I think. <laughs> winless Colonels travel to take on the winless Cowboys. It's the theme for this week, winless teams Correct. all across football world. Now, they're preparing for their first Southland Conference matchups of the year. For both squads, you've got to imagine there's a palpable level of excitement because somebody's finally going <laughs> to win one. This game has attracted so little attention from these underperformers that I have no idea what the spread is uh, or the over-under for nope, that matter. doesn't exist. ESPN isn't even asking folks who they think are going to win. Like, they have that little thing. Oh, yeah. Like, who's going to win? No, but nobody is paying any attention to this game at all. So we're going to pay some attention to it, and I tell you who I think will win. This week, I will atone and repent to my family for picking against the Bayou okay. Boys last week. Enjoy your first win, Nichols Colonels. It won't be pretty, but I'm saying Nichols 27-22. Going in the opposite direction. I'm going to take McNeese. I don't know how this one goes. Look, Nichols has struggled this year so far. Right, McNeese hasn't? at the same time, McNeese has struggled in an entirely different fashion. I think this one gets a little bit lopsided and it gets a little funky. I'm going to take McNeese 28, Nichols 20. I, I don't really... Quite even know how we get there, but there's some Why weird moments. Why did you wake up this morning and choose violence against Look, me? Look, th- this is a season-long competition. <laughs> Later this year, we'll be announcing the Boot Sports Network producer the picks. Ca- oh, God. And, you know, we'll get that nice trophy set up. And, you know, I already have my fancy football trophies. I need to pad the cabinet. So I have to do what I have to do. All right, so here's the deal. If, if you're going to start changing rules and dropping these $1 over predictions, <laughs> uh, we're I'm going to start shaking it up. If we're going to call six games, you'll give three first predictions, and I'll give three first predictions. Okay, okay. We'll see it, how this week rolls. I can which admit are, that. Which are stifling-ass predictions. This week rolls sneers. <laughs> <laughs> game four, Tulane versus UAB. A serious game. For the fourth time this season. We return to Yulman. Yes, we do. The hell of a home stretch for the Green Wave. This time for an American Conference matchup between the three and one Wave and the one and three Blazers. UAB has shown that they can move the ball. They can score points. Despite being one and three, they're averaging twenty eight points per game, including putting twenty one on the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs last week. Yes, they did still lose forty nine to twenty one, but that game should not have been that close. Tulane has Michael Pratt back, and the Green Wave defense is an unstoppable tsunami. I think it's going to be a tough day in NOLA for the Blazers. I'm going Green Wave 36-16. I'm not going to be silly this time. I'm uh, very locked into this game. I think this one comes to a just showing of skill by Tulane. 
That Tulane defense still is absolutely dominant in their own right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take, honestly, UAB. I'm going to give them 10. I'm going to give Tulane, not too crazy here, 30. 30 to 10. <laughs> Just missing that spread. Just missing that spread. 36, 16, 30 to 10. Good grief. I'm on the money today. All right, Charlie Brown. You're on my money is what you on. All right, LSU Ole Miss. You know what? I'm going to let you go first on this one. I'm going to give you the rundown of the game, but I'm going to let you pick the score first. Please do. This is one that I have had marked on my calendar all season. Okay. Uh, But I circled it after Ole Miss hung that L on Tulane earlier this year because I want to see what Ole Miss has against LSU. After last week, I'm kind of curious to see what LSU has against a ranked SEC opponent. Both teams are 3-1. and one. We've talked extensively about LSU and what they're capable of. And I think if they're going to win, they need to do all of those things that we talked about. LSU's favored by 2.5 in this. I feel like if they keep it close like they did with Arkansas, this Ole Miss team could be the one to find a way to beat them. They took their first L from Alabama last week, but put solid wins against Georgia Tech at Tulane and a 73-7 blowout of Mercer. ESPN analytics say Lane Kiffin's number 20 Rebels beat the number 13 Tigers, but as we found out against Florida State, those rankings don't mean nothing once you kick the ball off. I say to remain at the top of the SEC West and to have a shot at Georgia, the Tigers have to find a way to come away with this one. If the Tiger defense can get to and contain Jackson Dart, it could be a good day to be an LSU fan in Oxford. Before I give you my prediction, though, what say you, Donald? Well... I think you have a lot of excellent points here, and it's going to be pretty indicative. One thing I will add is that as much as we know the LSU defense struggles at times, the Ole Miss defense is struggling no less than LSU is. So with that, I can say pretty confidently at this time that if it's going to be two defenses that are you know not the strongest and it's a battle of offense, a battle of special teams – I'm going to have to take Damian Ramos. I'm going to have to take Jaden Daniels. I think that LSU is able to get away in this one uh, late in the game. And I think that that lack of defense, we get into, you know, shoot-up territory where we're just going one after another, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. I got LSU 52. Wow. All right. Ole Miss 38. We don't need cornerbacks. We don't need linebackers. We don't need those stinky defenses. Only touchdowns. Okay. I've got LSU 38-24. I don't think it's going to be quite that high okay. scoring. I think that uh, I think they're going to have a really good game, the two of them. Uh, I would love to see LSU put 52, hang on 52 on them. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I think 38-24 is where I'm sitting. Brett, you always seem to weigh in on LSU. You want to put your coaching hat back on? Consider coaching candidate. Yeah. So um, I played this game in NCAA today right before coming here. Oh, so we actually have a, pre, a pre-simulation. a pre Yes. Um, it was not a fun game to play. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I did pull out that W. Um, game started. First play of the game, we kicked it off. We picked it. Pick six. I went for two. Um, put... Six points on the board. And um, uh, I thought, oh, it's going to be easy. It was not easy. Uh, immediately, they returned with seven points. It went back and forth the entire game, and it ended uh, 32-28 LSU. But that was 
another one of those. Um, you just want us to suffer. Last 10 second plays. Oh my God, I can't believe I won this games. Um, I really need to play a lot more. I used to play like 10 games a week, and I only play one if that, so maybe that's it. But also Heisman difficulty. This game was the battle of picks. Every other play, whether it was them or us, interception, 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 back and forth. Thankfully, we won. Um, And then, of course, the brain of Brett, I think 41-21. I think lame Kiffin uh, nearly lost to a G5 team. That is disgraceful. Um, I think that they are not ready for uh, have-it-your-way BK Brian Kelly. Whoa. <laughs> okay. And uh, 42-21. <clears throat> <clears throat> but in my heart of hearts, I know LSU by 150. LSU by 150. I'm going to laugh on one of these days that strikes. If it's not you, it's Brett. Somebody has Jumping all my predictions. Somebody has 38-24. 32-28. Give me some room. I played a game, sir. (laughs) What you think this is, fool? This is a game. All right. Last game. Saints-Buccaneers. Saints, like we mentioned, still sitting tied atop the NFC South with Atlanta and their opponents for this week. They also have two and one Bucks, led by Baker Mayfield. Mm. We get Alvin Kamara back this game, who will hopefully be ready to go because Jameis is going to need him to get over his old team. Derek Carr listed as questionable. Don't think we're going to get him this week. We could see Paulson Adebo and Foster Moreau return. Even if we don't, I think we're going to be okay because yeah. I think we're going to see a lot from Mike Thomas, Chris Olave, and Rashid Shahid. If, if Jameis can buy himself some time or the offensive line can pull it together. The Bucks have a number of defenders listed as questionable on the current injury report, including defensive tackle Kalijah Kansi and their two corners, Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean, which is why I believe if they sit, it's why our offense has yep. the ability to get some big chunk passes. I still don't expect a high-scoring game. The Saints have yet to show us that this season. And until I see some better O-line production, I don't think we're going to see a 30-plus point game from this team. If it happens, though, mm. oh, there's going to be some talk be in some Nola. Talk. The Bucks defense hasn't been playing all that well. If the Saints win time of possession, they win this game. They lose time of possession. It's going to be another caper for the cardiac kids. I'm picking the Saints in a close one, 19-17. Okay, 19-17. So if I add two points to that, no. no I'm ju- I'm just joking. I'm just joking. No, honestly, I'm, I'm going to run this two ways. I'm going to give you my main prediction. This is with a Jameis start, and I'm going to give you a backup if Derek starts. We don't have to necessarily use this for what we're doing, but I'll, I'll give it to you two ways. I think if you get the Jameis start, you're going to see, honestly, not a huge improvement on the offense, but I think Alvin's going to get you something from that. I think Jameis will have a little bit more time to practice with Alvin, a little bit more time to implement a full game plan. I think that ultimately leads to the Saints winning 28 to Tampa's 24. However, I think if you were to get Derek to start this game somehow, I see it to be a bit more sluggish out the gate. However, I do see, and I'm not quite sure how we get here. I think maybe it's maybe the defense assuming that he can't do as much as he can. A slightly higher scoring game. I'm going to give you Saints 31, Tampa 21. So you think Regardless of who the quarterback is, Saints are going plus 25 in this one. More or less. 
They have yet to do that this season. This is when you think it happens. The math is mathing, and it can't go on forever. <laughs> All right. We are not the Chicago Bears. All right. I like it. Brett, you in on this one? You decided to chop. Hold on. Hey, wager. <laughs> now with uh, coaching candidate hey, Brett. Hey, Tampa Bay. Why would Bucks you? Bucks oh. up by three. Why would you do that? Can you put a number to that three? I don't know much about the NFL, but I know it's a very low-scoring league, so I'm just going to go ahead and say Saints 14, um, Tampa 17. If if it is Saints 14, Tampa 17, there will be a lot of of Mm. expletives in that Superdome. There will be some expletives in this studio, (laughs) probably. You, mother you. Those bucks know how to shine. All right, so another 50 (laughs) push-ups. I can't feel my arms, but sure. I'm totally kidding. You don't have to do that. In that case, I ain't doing it. It's Look, it's probably for the best because uh, people have seen the shirt. People have seen the shirt. People will buy the shirt. <laughs> and if they don't, I will buy the shirt That's and I will right. give it to people. Official All right. Sports Network merchandise. All our picks locked in. We will have a merch store up sooner or later. So if you're clamoring, we'll get it to you. Be I on promise. the lookout. If you've got questions, comments, want to include your predictions, we want to hear what you have to say. We love hearing what you have to say. Watch and interact with us on YouTube, or you can download and take the audio-only version of this podcast with you wherever you go to get your audio podcasts. The easiest thing to remember is bootsportsnetwork.com. It's your gateway to boots to balls and all things boot sports. That's where you can leave those comments, questions, and predictions and find us in your preferred podcast arenas. No matter where or how you listen, make sure to like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to follow us on all your favorite social media channels. All our info is right there in the ticker below. Have a great Boot Sports weekend, everybody, and we will see you next time right here for another coverage outkicking episode of Boots to Balls, North Carolina. Boots to Balls is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast does not render legal or financial advice. Remember to bet responsibly, and if you or anyone you know is struggling with problem gambling, reach out to your local gambling helpline.